Hello world. Welcome to episode 84 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is of course a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new around here, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not head over to Twitter and follow me at Sir Dr. JM. Reach out to me over there. Shoot me a DM, tweet at me, whatever you've got. Give me questions, comments, concerns, inquiries for the show, topics for the show, whatever you've got as it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch beta, the Overwatch League, uh, Blizzard as a whole, uh, video games in general. I'm happy to talk video games because I like them. But enough with all that. Let's get on to the show. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you can't get enough of the sound of my voice, you can check me out on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. Available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Canadian Overwatch content. That is, of course, a podcast focusing on the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, two teams we will talk about in this upcoming episode. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. I understand. All right, so let's kick off the news segment of the show with an article over on Polygon.com written by Michael McWhorter. Posted on August 16th, just after our previous episode went live, which reads, Overwatch account merging goes live. Prep for Overwatch 2 cross-progression. When Overwatch 2 launches in October, Blizzard's Hero Shooter will include cross-play and cross-progression across all its platforms. Starting Tuesday, this would have been last Tuesday, current Overwatch players can merge their accounts across Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, Windows PC, and Xbox, bringing their cosmetics, credits, and gameplay statistics together in a unified account. In an extensive FAQ, FAQ, Blizzard breaks down what's required to merge multiple Overwatch accounts. You'll need a Battle.net account, of course, a requirement for crossplay in Overwatch since 2021, and how things like in-game credits, Overwatch League tokens, achievements, and competitive and skill ratings will be handled. In short, for most things, they'll add up or you'll get the highest number associated with a particular statistic. There are a few catches, though. Players can only merge one account per platform, meaning that if you have multiple accounts on PC or multiple on console, you'll have to choose which one to merge with your unified Battle.net account. Also, Overwatch League tokens purchased on Nintendo Switch will not be merged into a unified account and will remain on that platform. Blizzard's full FAQ has the nitty-gritty details, but much of it seems straightforward and something Overwatch players should do in advance of Overwatch 2's early access release on October 4th. So there you have it. A very exciting announcement for those of us who obviously play on console, who have friends that play on PC, um, who may be hoping to make the switch or the jump or would even just like the option to. Um, I fall into the latter of that category, uh, although I don't, you know, typically play on PC. I would like the option to if, uh, you know, if the, the whim ever strikes me. I am pretty tied to my PlayStation account, so I do like having my statistics over there and everything like that. My trophies, my... Uh, my wins and my uh, currencies and things like that. Um, but all that said, if I can carry it wherever I go, then that's great. I'll still probably play for the trophies on PlayStation, but you know, having the option, especially down the road when I've earned a lot of those trophies and am not earning uh, new ones, you know, regularly, it will be great to uh, just be able to hop uh, onto another platform and continue where I left off. Continue with uh, with my current file type, uh, I guess, progression really. This is a function that I really had been hoping for, um, when, especially when they announced cross-play was coming. I really was like, okay, that's step one. Where's cross-progression? I also felt like 
prior to this announcement, they had actually already announced this. I'm pretty sure they had said that cross-progression was coming, um, but obviously with the release of this FAQ, uh, they're really just kind of, you know, blowing the doors open and getting a, getting ahead of the questions, you know, prior to the launch of this early access launch of Overwatch 2, right? They really want to get out there and say, hey, look, guess what? You know, here are the things you hoped for. It's coming, you know, buckle up kind of thing. We're getting the nitty-gritty stuff out of the way so that people can be ready to go when that early access date of October 4th hits, which of course, at this point, is one month and, let's see, by the time you're listening to this, one just under two weeks away. So we're just under six weeks by the time you're listening to this. So there you have it. Now, um, I think this is good all around. Uh, you know, there's there's no real downside to this. Um, and if you're curious, I actually did go ahead and merge my account. Uh, I actually jumped back in Overwatch 1 for the first time well, since the Overwatch 2 beta concluded, um, just to kind of mess around, see how things went, and see if the game was still fun. And surprise, it is. I actually had a great time. Um, I feel like prior to the Overwatch 2 beta, I actually wasn't playing Overwatch a lot. Um, I just wasn't really enjoying it when I was playing. And I jumped back in, and I was having a great time. So I actually got some wins, bought, you know, spent the rest of my, uh, my uh, whatever they're called, tokens, uh, just because I had a bunch stockpiled, bought some skins that I didn't have, um, and things like that. So get in there, uh, link your account. It's super easy. You'll see on the main menu there, there's an, a link account option. You click that, and then it basically says, is this the account you want to link with? And assuming you are already signed into your battle.net, anyways, it will pull up the account. Um, and I said yes, and it said, great, you're done. Literally didn't even take a second. It actually was so quick, I wasn't sure if it actually did it. Um, I did it again, and it again said that it was done. And I said, great, let's move on. So on to the next story. Now, I have not mentioned this already, but... Uh, this episode is going to be quite heavy on the Overwatch League side of things now that we're past that cross-progression announcement. Um, there will be one more sort of more generally uh, related to Overwatch announcement. However, it does uh, cross streams with, with the Overwatch League quite a bit, quite significantly. Um, but I digress. That one's going to come at the end here. So first things first, we're going to head over to DottieSports.com with an article by Liz Richardson posted on August 16th, which reads Washington Justice GM deletes Twitter account, team drops coach Ty Dalla. The Paris Eternal are not the only team looking for a widespread roster revamp in the latter half of the Overwatch League season. Amid widespread rumors the Washington Justice would be turning over staff and players, the team has officially dropped assistant coach Ty Dalla, who joined the Justice last year. He previously worked for the Los Angeles Gladiators in Guangzhou, Guangzhou Charge. As Ty Dalla's announcement was posted, Washington Justice... Washington's general manager, sorry, Pre, sent a somber message on his Twitter before deleting his account abruptly. Quote, Thank you to everyone who understands that the situation we are in is awful and that we're doing everything we can to give people a shot at success, Pre wrote. The message was saved and redistributed on Reddit and Twitter. Eagle-eyed fans noticed on August 15th that Pre had deleted all mentions of the justice on his account as early as August 14th. With multiple teams in flux, Pre is likely referring to the upcoming Overwatch League trade deadline, which ends on August 18th. Players under or under Overwatch League contracts will not be able to join other teams after that date. If they were dropped before August 18th, however, they can still join new teams, according to a league spoke per spokesperson. The process has apparently already begun for Washington, which announced on August 15th that Main Tank Mag had been acquired by the Boston Uprising. If more drops are coming, fans should expect them to be announced before August 18th cutoff date. Washington's next game is against the Florida Mayhem on August 20th at 5 p.m. CT. Then there's actually an update to this article. Update August 16th, 7.40 p.m. CT Washington. Washington. Justice's Vice President of Esports Business. 
Caranthil, I hope I got that right, posted a comment on Reddit about the situation. Quote, The core focus of Aaron and I is on finding the best outcomes possible for as many of our players and staff as we can. He said, noting for some players that could be drops or trades. He also suggested blame, quote, doesn't necessarily fall to one individual for the drops and asked fans, asked for fans to be patient. Sorry about that. I wasn't expecting the end of the, the update on the article there. Anyways, I digress. Um, as we saw last week, or as we spoke about, you know, we saw Paris releasing the majority of their roster, uh, which Liz referenced at the beginning of that article there, obviously. But then we did see some craziness happening with uh, the Washington Justice. Of course, last week, we also talked about uh, Meg being traded uh, over to the Boston Uprising. Um, in what had been heavily rumored, uh, that was kind of the first move of uh, of this Washington, I, I don't want to call it a collapse, but this Washington shakeup kind of thing. Um, it became very quickly after uh, the Meg trade, or it became obvious very quickly after the Meg Meg. I guess it wasn't really a trade. They didn't get anything in return, but, uh, well, maybe they got money. Anyways, I digress. Um, after getting rid of Meg, it became very apparent very quickly that uh, the rumors were true and Washington uh, seems to be doing a pretty significant offload of a lot of their, uh, you know, likely higher uh, higher paying salaries. So they got rid of Meg, who was definitely a name on the on the tank side of things. They uh, got rid of Ty Dalla, who was a name on the uh, coaching staff coming from the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um and then, of course, it sure seems an awful lot like, I don't actually know if it's confirmed, but it seems like Pre is going as well, who uh, had been one of the few very outspoken um, and sort of forward-facing general managers around the league. Um, so sad to see all of that happening. And that actually leads us right on into our next article. Again, still with .esports.com, this time by Jessica Sharnagel on August 18th, which reads, Washington Justice release happy vigilante in final wave of roster moves. The Washington Justice has been offloading quite a bit of its players this season, and Happy and Vigilante are the last two players to make moves just before the August 18th Overwatch League trade deadline. Recently, the Justice also sent Mag to the Boston Uprising and dropped assistant coach Ty Dalla from the roster as well. Pri also deleted his Twitter account after posting one last message to the site thanking the fans for their understanding. It is unclear if Pri is still with the Justice at this time since fans had noticed he had removed all mentions of his association with the team around August 14th. Happy has found a new home on the Los Angeles Gladiators, and Vigilante will now play for the Atlanta Reign. The Justice now has just five players on its roster, which is one below uh, one player below the minimum required players on the squad. The Justice will give the sixth slot to a staff member for the remainder of the season in order to comply with the OWL minimum of six players. They then have a tweet embedded from the Washington Justice, which reads... The transactions announced today conclude our player moves. We intend to move forward with this roster to complete the 2022 season. Our team is ready to work hard and fight through the season. Hashtag justice fighting. And that was posted on August 18th, uh, the same day of this article, uh, just a couple hours before. Uh, not even a couple hours, actually. Uh, uh, hour and a half before or so. The Washington Ju the article continues. The Washington Justice will now have to compete with the current roster of DPS players Decay, Assassin, Tank player Kalios, and support players Krillin and Opener. These moves from the Justice come just a few days after a report from GG Recon reported the Justice were looking to drastically decrease its competitive cost. Lost confidence in the Owls franchises is reportedly the reason for the cost-cutting after a meeting the teams had on August 10th. The team will now have to compete with just five active players on its roster. There are still two, two tournaments left in the Overwatch League competitive season, the Countdown Cup in October, and playoffs. 
that's a little bit misleading there. She kind of missed the fact that uh, there is also, in fact, we are currently in the Summer Showdown uh, tournament cycle. So there's kind of two and then playoffs, I would say. I, I'm, I'm, I think that's what she was getting at. But I digress. We're getting into semantics here. So there you have it. Uh, the Washington Justice shaking things up quite drastically. Um, definitely a lot of moves happening. And like I say, just offloading uh, a lot of these very, you know, very high salary, very, very uh, impressive and likely sought after players. Um, you know, Happy is or, or was definitely a big name. I thought he was probably one of the most impressive pieces on the Houston Outlaws last season when he joined the league. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't too thrilled to see him go to Washington because I've never been a fan of Washington, but I am excited to see him on uh, the Los Angeles Gladiators. And of course, this past weekend, we got to witness that. Of course, uh, Vigilante, a uh, lesser known name on, on you know, in, in my world at least. I, I didn't know him coming into the season. I believe he was a rookie this year. Um, but still an impressive support player nonetheless. Uh, and, you know, finding a home with the Atlanta Reign is a pretty big deal. You know, Gladiators and Reign are obviously two, uh, two very impressive and very good teams this season. Um, even if both of those teams are struggling in the current meta. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the moments to come. That's it for Washington. Let's continue with .esports.com. We've got a .esports heavy uh, week this week uh, just because they had a lot of these uh, trades reported first. So moving on there, we're going to go to an article, again, .esports, this time with Liz Richardson, written on August 19th, which reads, London Spitfire adds Flex Support Con. The London Spitfire previously announced that it was done with roster moves for the 2022 Overwatch League season, but even a solid team can't pass up an advantageous deal when it sees one. Former Paris Eternal Flex Support Con will join the London Spitfire for the remainder of the season the team announced today. Earlier this week, the Paris Eternal suddenly dropped four of its players, letting them out of their contracts before the looming trade deadline of August 18th. Players not on an active roster contract could then be picked up by other Overwatch League teams, as London's done with Khan. Khan will be physically joining the London Spitfire at their training facility in Los Angeles soon, according to general manager Nuki. Though Khan didn't have a standout performance on the Paris Eternal, who have a 1-13 record heading into this weekend's games, he was a key part of the team's steady improvement during the 2021 season. By picking up Khan, the London Spitfire also relieves some of its other players from filling multiple roles. London's flex DPS backbone has been doing double duty on some days, switching between his usual role and the flex support role if necessary. Though backbone has a mean Zenyatta, Khan can now take over that role and give him more time to focus on dealing damage. The London Spitfire's next game is against the Houston Outlaws on August 20th at 2 p.m. CT. So there you have it. Uh, exciting news for Khan. I know I had suggested uh, when we talked about the Paris Eternal, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, blow-up release of all its players and everything like that. Um, I had mentioned that uh, it certainly didn't seem like uh, any of those players were going to be picked up. They might have a chance to join, uh, you know, contenders teams or something like that. Um, but even, you know, the trade deadline, I believe, also applies to contenders, potentially. But I digress. Um, it was just uh, a little bit shocking uh, to see all those players dropped and everything. But at the same time, it really didn't seem like it was going to be leaving them much room to find a new team or anything however obviously here we've seen london swoop in and save at least one of them so good to see that for con uh you know i think we're past a point where it would have been announced if any other players from the paris eternal were being picked up um so too bad for them but hopefully uh we'll see some improvement on the london side with con being able to step in and fill some of those boots for uh for backbone 
Moving on from there, we're going to jump over to August 21st, a couple days later, uh, this time with an article still on .esports.com, but written by Nadine Mansky, which reads, Junker Queen to be nerfed in next Owl Patch changes also confirmed for Overwatch 2. After the Midseason Madness Tournament, which saw the Los Angeles Gladiators claim the tourney win, the meta in the Overwatch League continues to cement itself around a few key heroes. As teams continue to play their way through the Summer Showdown Tournament qualifiers, one thing has become clear. The game's newest hero is overpowered. Junker Queen was added to the Overwatch 2 beta earlier this summer, and players who gained access to the beta were all eager to try out the new tank hero. Both casual and professional players alike realized she is an incredibly strong choice in brawl compositions, excelling in close combat. Her pick rate in the Overwatch League remains high since her debut. This season, the, the players in the Overwatch League have been playing on early versions of Overwatch 2, which is scheduled to release this October. While casual fans of the game were only able to test out Junker Queen for a short period of time, the pros continue to master her kit. Earlier today, Overwatch 2 game director Aaron Keller confirmed on Twitter that Blizzard is finally planning to make changes to the rampaging Australian tank. Quote, the Hero team has been monitoring the latest Owl play, plus our own internal playtests, and have decided to bring the overall power of Junker Queen down, Keller said. Well, the changes will not be immediate, meaning the rest of the Summer Showdown will likely continue to be a showcase of Junker Queen, they should be in place for the end of the 2022 season. Keller's tweet indicated the dev team is looking to nerf Junker Queen after seeing how powerful her abilities are. This is a sentiment casual players shared during the latest beta, but following her success in the Overwatch League, it is clear she's overpowered. Blizzard has also been playtesting the hero internally. Junker Queen has a wide range of abilities, from her close-range shotgun to her axe as the first tank designed around the 5v5 model. It makes some sense... Some Oh my gosh, let's start that over. It makes sense some balance changes might be necessary for her to better fit with other tanks in the game who all aside from doomfist were developed around the 6v6 structure keller didn't specify in his tweet which abilities will be fine-tuned for the upcoming nerf but there are certain aspects of junker queen's kits that seem likely targets her ultimate rampage includes an anti-heal debuff that is applied to enemies when the ability is active some players have comp complained an ability like an anti-heal shouldn't be something that a character in a tank role is able to activate until Junker Queen's release, Anti-Heal was the signature ability of Anna, a sniper support hero. While the Anti-Heal is part of what makes Rampage such an effective ultimate, some players wonder if it's just too powerful. Keller stated that the pending Overwatch League nerfs to Junker Queen will be included in the eventual launch of Overwatch 2 later this fall. So, uh, something that, if you ask me, uh, I don't think is a shock. Um, I was honestly a little bit surprised at the... Uh, first of all, I've been a little bit surprised at the amount of negativity surrounding this meta, surrounding this tournament cycle, um, and surrounding this uh, this playstyle with Junker Queen. Um, people were really upset that Junker Queen is is so dominant um, and is being played in such a, a fashion, such as the Goats meta, um, using Brig and Lucio to really cycle your ultimates, cycle your abilities, um, and try to control the tempo that way. Um, Perhaps I'm not super against it because, you know, two of my favorite teams, being the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans, are both excelling uh, thus far in the meta. Um, but regardless, I am almost certain that at the start of this Overwatch League season, they talked about how they would do mid-season patches between every tournament cycle. Um, 
maybe they didn't commit exactly to that to to literally patching between each tournament cycle but they did say that when they patch it will be between cycles they would never patch you know live unless something was broken broken um, and if I'm not mistaken I think they've kept up with that I think between each tournament cycle there has been a you know quote-unquote major patch that has shifted the meta quite drastically I mean Obviously, when the league started, we saw a lot of uh, Soldier 76 in the in the kickoff clash uh, tournament. Then they buffed uh, Sojourn a little bit, who was, you know, at the time, the newest hero, uh, obviously being a new DPS hero. And uh, they buffed her because I think everybody wanted to see her played, right? Everybody wanted to see what she was capable of. And sure enough, for the midseason madness, she was quite dominant. There were there were certainly other uh, play styles and other characters you could use and that could take advantage of, uh, of her weaknesses and... Uh, and were still viable picks, um, but she was a fairly, fairly heavy pick. Um, so then moving into this uh, um, summer showdown tournament, uh, tournament cycle, I was not surprised at all to see that Junker Queen being, again, the next newest hero, uh, was really taking off and was being played quite a lot. I think the difference here is that her abilities stack and sort of pair up with these other defensive abilities so well or to such a significant degree that we're now seeing people, uh, you know, rely solely on certain compositions, right? Um, you know, typically we're seeing Ash or Sojourn, again, still Sojourn, Sojourn, with a Genji plus Junker Queen and then Brig and Lucio. We don't see a whole lot of variance there. We've seen a few people bring out a Tracer instead of a Genji. Um, we've seen, you know, occasionally someone will come out on a Widowmaker to try and get a pick, um, and then very, you know, very, very rarely, very occasionally, we'll see someone switch to an Ana. Um, usually that's just for like an interruption or just for a moment to try and try and make some play, um, you know, and usually it's quite a skilled player, like Twilight comes to mind for the Toronto Defiant, but I digress. Um, so anyways, you know, I was not shocked at all to see this. I think the fact that Aaron Keller came out and, and announced it, quote unquote, said, yeah, guys, we're going to patch the game. I think it was totally a PR move. I think they were seeing a lot of the negativity online about, oh, this is the worst meta since GOATS, and oh, this meta has no skill and all this stuff, which is a concept that I just don't understand because it's not like any of these... It's not like anything in here is, you know, push Q to win, right? Um, granted, that is a part of it uh, because with Junker Queen, it is about using her Rampage um, and using her... Um, I forget the other ability she has. Uh, her Commanding Shout. Um it is heavily about that and about cycling those properly, um, but it's still all about timing. It's still all about synergy with your team. If one of your players is not working well with either uh, Junker Queen, Brig, or Lucio, who are the sort of heavy focuses of, of this meta, if one of those players is off sync with the others, you know, there is still a likelihood that the other team will be able to, uh, you know, take advantage of that. Um, so I just don't understand the the internet hate and the the rage that people have about oh this is a no skill meta, um, you know I I personally just think that anyone playing at this league is clearly skillful, um, and it's simply the fact that certain metas require certain synergies uh, to a heavier extent than others, which is what we saw with goats. Now people are also very salty about goats still because we saw I think. Uh, three quarters of an Overwatch League uh, entire season played on goats, and that was when we had much, uh, many more games in a season as well, right? And that's of course the uh, would that have been 2018, uh, 2018, 2019, something like that. Uh, Vancouver Titans and San Francisco Shock season, right? Where 
where that was the dominant meta. Um, the first two seasons were easily focused on goats. Uh, the uh, sorry tournament cycles. The the third tournament cycle, of course, still heavily focused on goats, but you saw teams starting to figure it out. Um, and you saw a team like Shanghai raise up, rise up and kind of win that tournament cycle out of nowhere. Um, and then you saw them patch the game, and I think that's when they introduced the the two 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 roll lock uh, system that we you know play with now. Except it's not two two two; it's one two two. So I digress. I was mostly just very surprised to see that this had to be a specific announcement announcement uh, just for uh, just for all those people out there who were complaining on the internet. But I shouldn't have been surprised by that. But anyways, that's it for the Junker Queen. Now let's move on. And this time, we're going to stick with .esports.com again, of course, because we always do. Uh, but we're going to move on to an article written on August 22nd, which reads, Soul Dynasty acquire flex support Iris and, uh, sorry, Iris from Houston Outlaws. Uh, I misread that there for a sec. The Overwatch League trade deadline may have passed on August 18th, but some trades have clearly been lingering in the team announcement queue over the weekend. In an unexpected move, the Houston Outlaws have traded flex support Iris or Iris, I believe it's pronounced, to the Seoul Dynasty, according to an announcement on August 22nd. In turn, Seoul have parted ways with Flex Support Creative, who will be headed to the Outlaws to complete the trade cycle. Seoul announced the move with a set of graphics and noted the team would be, quote, sending Creative off to his new home. Houston later announced Creative would be joining them for the rest of the 2022 season. The Outlaws acquired Iris as a free agent in late 2021 after he was released by the Atlanta Reign. For most of the 2022 season, he played alongside fellow support Lastro, who picked up main support heroes to cover the team's needs. Thanks to a recent pickup of Tank, I still don't know how to say this, let's just go with Dodge, and main support Lep, the Outlaws no longer require that level of flexibility outside of their Zenyatta or Ana specialists. Creative can now offer more options for Houston alongside Lastro. On Soul's side, Iris uh, will join Vindime in the support line. Over the weekend, longtime Dynasty Prophet stepped in to play Brigitta in the back line. While that switch led to two wins for the Dynasty, Iris will give the team a more stable solution to quick changing metas. Seoul's next game is against the Los Angeles Valiant on August 26th at 6.30 p.m. CT. So there you go, another one to file under uh, the category of didn't see that one coming. Uh, certainly, I don't think I don't think that the Houston Outlaws were having problems with Eris, and I don't think uh, the Soul Dynasty were, you know, having troubles with creative or anything like that. Um, a little bit surprising, though, you know, just uh, Houston making some moves. I think that's the more shocking part of all of it, is that you know, even though Houston had those those couple of moves with uh, Doge and Lep, Doge, Dodge, whatever it is, and Lep, um, you know, I don't think anyone really truly saw that coming, but then sure enough, we see, uh, uh, am I correct? Yeah, we, we saw Piggy released, and then of course we see Iris going and Creative coming. Uh, I think it's just really shocking to just see how many moves they're making, especially in a meta where we, again, we just know that this meta wasn't going to stick. And although Houston's seen some success with it, you know, I think I think they have one win on the on the cycle right now. Yes, they have one win, two losses. Um, it's it seems surprising that a team might bet all their eggs on this meta kind of thing. So I don't think that's what they're doing. I think they're trying to future proof for the uh, tournament cycle immediately after this, of course, which would be the countdown cup qualifiers, and then of course the grand finals as well. So. Um, I digress. Uh, Soul as well, you know, didn't really expect Soul to be seeing, be making a move like this, especially with a uh, North American team. Um, obviously, the Visa side of things, probably not so crazy 
in terms of uh, the dynasty side, because both of these players, I believe, are Korean, so they don't have to worry too much about visas. However, the um, the uh, side of the Houston Outlaws creative would, of course, need an international visa to come over to or an American visa to come over to North America and play. So perhaps that played into it. Perhaps uh, he already had his and that was a part of the the bargaining was, hey, you know, if we're going to make a trade, we we want someone to be able to come play for us and everything like that. So ultimately, good for all players, likely, um, you know, glad to see that they can uh, that they can um, find places elsewhere if things weren't working out on the team that they were on. But likely, I think it was more just, you know, time and place kind of thing. Who knows how these deals really, truly happen. But good for the players. I'm glad they're both sticking around because they've both been making an impact this season, I would say. Moving on from there. Oh, well, silly me. Uh, That's actually my last story. (laughs) Uh, I do have another article here about the Aaron Keller stuff. uh, But as I mentioned, that was already talked about. So I think we're all set there. And that's going to conclude the news segment of our story. Uh, our show, I should say. But of course, uh, we'll keep our eyes and ears open because it wouldn't surprise me at all if we get a couple more announcements this week, just seeing how crazy last week was with everything. Um, So yeah. Anyways, let's move on and let's recap some games from this past weekend in the Overwatch League. Revenge is not justice. All right. So first things first, we're going to head on over to our schedule here. And, of course, we'll take a look at this past weekend's games. So, first things first, on Friday, August 19th, we saw the Shanghai Dragons beating the Guangzhou Charge in their first match of the Summer Showdown Tournament cycle. Just absolutely stomping on the Guangzhou Charge. And, of course, yeah, like always, you know, I have sworn off the Shanghai Dragons after they had a poor performance this past uh, tournament cycle in the Midseason Madness. But it seems like they're back, so I digress. Who knows what's going to happen. Next up, the Seoul Dynasty 3-0'd the Hangzhou Spark, and of course, yet again, uh, Seoul seeming like a good pick, even though they did not perform very well in the summer showdown ter- or in the midseason madness, sorry, tournament cycle. And the Hangzhou Spark, uh, you know, being a little bit of a disappointment out the gate, so we'll see what the rest of the weekend had in store for them. Moving on from there, we saw the Vancouver Titans get their second win on the season in a decisive 3-0 win over the New York Excelsior. So this was a bit of a surprising one. I think uh, New York had at least one uh, impressive match in the weekend before. So we really kind of, I think, had some high expectations for them. And I was a little worried that uh, they might put up a decent fight against the um, the Vancouver Titans. Uh, in fact, I had predicted the game would be a 3-2 win for the Vancouver Titans. But Vancouver looking very fine. Uh, you know, Aspire definitely carrying the team on his back but that's not to say the rest of the team didn't contribute their part because they did play very well um and king over on the genji uh looking pretty good with the team thus far next up uh friday august 19th still the san francisco shock 3-0 the boston uprising and then finally our last game on friday august 19th the toronto defiant lost to the dallas fuel 3-1 unfortunately i have vowed to Uh, predict the Toronto Defiant in every match they have this tournament cycle, given uh, the Summer Showdown uh, finals, will be held in Toronto, Canada. Uh, And, as luck would have it, they lost this match. So, unfortunately, this was their one loss on the the 
summer showdown tournament cycle here, and it was a 3-1 win for the Dallas Fuel. Although Toronto played well, Dallas looks really impressive this uh, in this meta. So, Moving on from there, we go to Saturday, August 20th, when the Seoul Dynasty had another 3-0 win, this time against the Chengdu Hunters. Then, on August 20th, the Shanghai Dragons had another 3-0 win, this time over the Hangzhou Spark. So again, my crystal ball picks are looking not so bright at this very moment. Uh, in the Western region, I predicted the San Francisco Shock and the Los Angeles Gladiators, as they seem to be the only two consistent teams in the, uh, in the North American region, but the Gladiators seeming to bite me in the ass. Meanwhile, on the Eastern side, I picked the Seoul Dynasty and the Hangzhou Spark, and so far... Hangzhou sitting with two losses on the cycle. So we'll see. But right now my crystal ball picks are in jeopardy unless things go really well for the Los Angeles Gladiators and uh, unless Hangzhou can pick their pants up off the ground. That one I have a little more faith in because they did play against probably the other two top teams in the region being the Shanghai Dragons and the Seoul Dynasty. Moving on from there. Still on Saturday, August 20th, the Los Angeles Valiant got beat by the Philadelphia Fusion in a 3-2 win. Then we move over to the North American games where the London Spitfire, I shouldn't call it North American, the Western region games, where the London Spitfire beat the Houston Outlaws 3-0 in a decisive win. Then the San Francisco Shock beat the Los Angeles Gladiators in a pretty decisive 3-1 win. Uh, this match was was not as back and forth as most people, I think, wanted or predicted. Uh, and with that win, the San Francisco Shock actually tied the Vancouver Titans regular season uh, win streak uh, I guess. So anyways, I believe it's at 19 games now, which means if the San Francisco Shock win one more game this upcoming turn, uh, this upcoming weekend, then they will, of course, take the lead on, uh, on the longest streak of wins. And it looks like they probably will, given they play the New York Excelsior. So moving on from there, our final game on Saturday, August 20th was the Washington Justice 3 owing the Florida Mayhem, unfortunately. So Washington... Coming out strong with their reduced roster, and Florida certainly looking like they are struggling a little bit now with a record of 1-2 on the tournament cycle. Moving on from there, we move it to Sunday, where the Los Angeles Valiant lose to the Guangzhou Charge, 3-2. The Chengdu Hunters then beat the Philadelphia Fusion in a 3-0 matchup. And then we jump over to the Western region, where the Dallas Fuel 3-1 the Boston Uprising. The Atlanta Reign 3-0, the Paris Eternal, the newly formed Paris Eternal, and of course this was their first game with that new roster. Paris didn't look terrible, um, but you know you could tell that uh, they were a roster of quote-unquote rookies and uh, playing against you know a previously very good team. So Atlanta kind of you know edging the win out here. Uh, I say edging, they won 3-0, but uh, will be interesting to see if the Paris Eternal can make something of of their uh, of either the Summer Showdown or of the Countdown Cup with their new roster. And then finally, the Toronto Defiant take a win over the Los Angeles Gladiators 3-1. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. This match was great, uh, especially if you're a Toronto Defiant fan. Toronto really looking great in this meta. Um, the spawn camp on the Gladiators in, the, in Dorado was just amazingly impressive. Even though Toronto got held, I think, 137 meters or something like that into the match, uh, they were not able to get a ton of progress. But the way they spawn camped, the way they rotated their ults, the way they rotated their abilities on the Gladiators in that Dorado map was just so clean. It was great. So there you go. That's your past week's matches in the Overwatch League. And now I think we should head on over to our pickums and we'll take a look and see what this next week holds. So let's pull this up here. All right, so we're going to kick things off 
in the eastern region with the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Chengdu Hunters. And I'm going to give that to Hangzhou 3-2. Then the Seoul Dynasty take on the Los Angeles Valiant, which I'm going to give that to Seoul 3-0. I think that's a pretty easy pick. I'm a little undecided about that first one, but the eastern region is such a toss-up to me, so I'm, I'm just not too sure about that. Friday, August 26th, uh, over in the West, we see the Atlanta Rain taking on the London Spitfire, and I'm giving it to the Spitfire 3-1. At 2.30 p.m., the San Francisco Shock are going to 3-1 the New York Excelsior. That's right, I'm giving them one map off. I'm, You know what, I'm changing that. <laughs> I'm not giving them one map. 3-0 over the New York Excelsior to take the lead on the, regular, on the uh, win streak. Then the Vancouver Titans take on the Washington Justice. Of course, this is their next game uh, with that reduced roster. Uh, Washington looked really good in their previous match, um, and that was against the Florida Mayhem. Uh, you know, Florida not looking so great in this meta. Vancouver looking pretty good in this meta, honestly. Yes, they played some weaker teams, but still looking really good. I guess they played the De Toronto Defiant, and that match looked a little scary for Toronto at some points. Um I'm going to give Washington a map here and say it's 3-1 for Washington. Moving on up to Saturday, August 27th, over in the Eastern region, we have the Seoul Dynasty, 3-0-ing the Guangzhou Charge. Then I'm going to put the Los Angeles Valiant, losing to the Hangzhou Spark, 3-1. And then finally, the Shanghai Dragons are going to 3-0 the Philadelphia Fusion. Jumping over to the West, the Toronto Defiant will 3-1 the Boston Uprising. I'm not sure why I'm giving Boston that one point. I don't know if they deserve that. Let me take a look at Boston right now. Boston is sitting 1-3. Hmm. And they lost to the San Francisco Shock. They lost to the Dallas Fuel. So two of their losses were against arguably the number one and number two teams in this meta. Um, they also lost to the... London Spitfire, and they won against the Atlanta Rain. That's pretty tough. London does look decent, uh, so that's not too surprising that they lost there. And Atlanta looks kind of cruddy. I'm I'm going to leave it as 3-1 for the Toronto Defiant. I, you know what? No, I'm giving it 3-0 over the Boston Uprising. That's what I'm locking it in as. Moving on from there at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, we have the Gladiators taking on the Paris Eternal. I do have this one as a 3-0 for the Glads. I think this is kind of a giveaway. Um, you know, maybe it's a confidence boost to the Gladiators. At this point, I want the Gladiators to get a couple wins just so they can have a chance at getting into the uh, Summer Showdown tournament. Um, and ultimately, uh, that is selfish because I just want that Crystal Ball pick win to come true. But my fingers are crossed. Moving on from there, the Vancouver Titans will be taking on the Houston Outlaws, and I have them taking Houston to task, getting a 3-1 win over Houston. Um, I'll admit that that is a bit of a toss-up. I could see Houston flipping the script and coming out over top of Vancouver, but I'm sticking with my Canadian teams. We've got some Canadian domination happening right now, so I'm going to ride that high while it lasts. We then go to Sunday, August 28th at 4 a.m. Mountain Time, where the Philadelphia Fusion will lose to the Guangzhou Charge. That's right, I'm giving it to Guangzhou 3-1. to one. That, that, that could be wrong on that one, but I'm going to keep it. Then at 5.30 a.m., the Shanghai Dragons will 3-0 the Chengdu Hunters. Moving on over to the Western region, we have the London Spitfire taking the Washington Justice to task with a 3-2 win in a close match, if you ask me. Then at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, the Atlanta Rain will lose to the Houston Outlaws in a 3-1 win. So that one, again, could be a bit of a toss-up. You know, two teams that are kind of struggling right now. Houston is 1-2. and two. Uh, Atlanta is also 1-2. and two. They're right next to each other in the standings at 7-8 and eight for Atlanta and then Houston. So a bit of a toss-up there, but I'm giving it to Houston 3-1. 
And our final match to close out the Western region and the weekend's games in the Overwatch League is, of course, the Dallas Fuel 3 owing the Florida Mayhem. I don't have any question in my mind about that. I think Dallas is maybe the best team in this meta. What would be really interesting right now would be to see uh, San Francisco play Dallas. Um, I'm just looking to see if we saw that yet. I don't believe we have this meta. Um, mostly just because Dallas is looking so clean in this meta. It's it's actually quite impressive what they've been able to do thus far. Um, and and they are looking very strong. Yes, Toronto got a map off them, but, you know, there's only one map. Um, yes, Boston also got a map off them, but again, Dallas looking really clean in this meta. So I think they're going to they're gonna probably be the number two team unless San Francisco starts losing. So there you have it. So that's our next week's matches in the Overwatch League up and coming for you. Um, I'm going to save my predictions in the pickums just to make sure they don't go anywhere and I get all my points. And I'm going to close that out. And with that, I know it uh, seems like uh, seemed like we had a lot to talk about this season, but it was mostly trades and moves um, and, you know, Washington getting rid of their whole team or a lot of their team. So without further ado, let's close on out the show. The outcome is not preordained. Yes, that's right. You heard it from Zenyatta here first. The outcome is not preordained. Any of these games could go any which way. But I digress. That is, in fact, the end of the show. So thank you very much for listening to episode 84 of One Man Watchpoint. I am, I am of course, your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's Sir DRJM on all socials, but especially over on Twitter, where you can DM me or you can tweet at me with questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, uh, queries. I'm not sure what the difference there would be. Uh, but whatever you've got for me, if you'd like me to talk about the Overwatch League, if you'd like me to talk about Overwatch in general, if you'd like to talk me to talk about the lore, or even, you know what, other communities around the Overwatch League and Overwatch that I enjoy, um, I am a member of a number of them. So go ahead and reach out to me over there and I'll make some recommendations on the show for you. Of course, you can also find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc, etc. So Give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you do leave a review, I will read it out on the show, but you better give me five stars. Let's just say five out of five. Uh, I don't care what the comments are. I will read the comment, even if it is a nasty comment. Just give me a five out of five because it doesn't hurt anybody. If you can't get enough of my voice, I, of course, encourage you to listen to the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, your premier source for everything Canadian Overwatch, of course, Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where my hosts, Chris at Lightforce and Alex at Omni Strife, break down everything, all the latest and greatest around the Overwatch League, but mostly focused on the Washington Justice. No, not the Washington Justice. Of course not the Washington Justice. Everything around the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. That's going to be it for episode 84 of One Man Watchpoint. You can catch us here every week. See you later. Thank you.